Welcome to TVN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, Matt and Lori Crouch host author and senior pastor of World Changers Church International, Creflo Dollar, and his wife, Taffy. They discuss how unveiling Jesus through the lens of grace changes everything. We want to jump into this thing. Where, what are we going to frame what we're going to talk about tonight? We're going to go deep dive all one hour. What are we talking about? We're, we're going to talk about Jesus. Come on now. But the way we approach the conversation is to unveil Jesus through the subject of grace. Okay. Let's I was, uh, and that's what it is. It's, it's, it, grace is not uh, a curriculum. It's not a subject matter. It's not a Bible course. I mean, it can be, but it's really sharing information that unveils Jesus and you begin to see him. And so I, I start, Taffy, with um, uh, this uh, addiction I had called, I call it a compulsive Christianity disorder. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Explain it's a, that it's, a disorder. it's where um, I am in the, I, I, I just could not understand when, when was it enough when people told me, well, you need to pray more. Well, how much more do I need to pray? Mm. When they told me, well, you need to fast more. Well, well how much more fasting do I need to do? Mm. Well, you need to go to church more. Well, do I need to go seven days a week? Uh, and it, it was a compulsive Christianity disorder. Do I need to witness to 10 people today? Or if, if 10 people are not enough, do I need to do 20 people? And eventually it gets to the point where you, you don't know, you know, what's, en- what's enough. Repentance. How, how much repentance do I need to be? I felt like I was always trying to earn God's favor. Wow. Wow. And that I had to work real hard to deserve something. Wow. And so, you know, I had this time in my life when Taffy and I, we were, you know, I'm praying for people and, and, and I'm doing it based on my own efforts, um, based on my strength based on what I know. And I'd get more emotional. Maybe if I get more emotional, I would do it. And I remember a time when we were first married, I was uh, in the bedroom trying to get anointed for Sunday. How many years ago was that, by this the way? Was you better know 30 this. 30-something years <laughs> yeah. ago, right? 30-something yeah, years, years ago. I'm in the bedroom trying to get anointed. <laughs> and meanwhile, Taffy's in the kitchen cooking spaghetti and French bread. Okay. And so I am on the floor. I mean, I'm shucking corn until the fibers got in my mouth, choked me up, and I got quiet. And I heard God, and he says, what are you doing? I says, I'm in here trying to get anointed. He says, I anointed you when I called you. Wow. I I said, uh, (laughs) I said, "Mm," and I just kept going. But I'm right there by the door, and I'm, smelling the French bread and spaghetti coming through the door. Praise Jesus. So that got my attention. And I thought about what he said. And I thought, well, if I'm already anointed, then I might as well go in there and have some French bread. So I got up off my knees and I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And I went and had some French bread and some spaghetti <laughs> because I am in there. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do something to earn wow. what I already have. Mm-hmm. 
And that's the, 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 one of the biggest lies in the Garden of Eden that day was the lie that you have to try to do something to be who you already are. Hello. And you're having to try to do something to get what you already have. I was healed 2,000 years ago. Come on now. I was delivered 2,000 years ago. So it's about my faith appropriating what Jesus has already made available. My whole life changed. I made my mind up that I, I, something had to change. We struggled in this for a minute, and I, I, knew, I knew something was missing because I'm still saying Jesus plus something. Wow. Jesus plus me doing this more often. Jesus plus me fasting more days. Jesus, and I just said, God, I'm, I'm not going to bed until I, I need to, something, something's missing. Something's missing. See, I took my faith and I turned it into legalism. Hello. And I tried my best to try to make God do certain things instead of receiving what had already been done. I had more faith in what I can do for Jesus than having faith in what Jesus has already done for me. Wow. And so I heard this voice. I've stayed up for a minute. And I heard it was just so clear. Will you become a student of grace? Hmm. And I'm thinking, what's that? I, th I thought I was a student of grace. And, and you know, God's not going to sit and debate with you. I say, yeah, I'll, I'll be a student of grace. So first thing I did is I looked up every scripture in the Bible on grace. Mm -hmm. I went to the bookstore and got every book I could find on grace. I didn't know the grace people were mad at the faith people and the faith people were mad. <laughs> I had no idea that battle was going on. And we slowly began to, to get into this and begin to reevaluate everything that we were doing. Uh, then God started dealing with Taffy about relationships mm. and we were looking at relationships under the law versus the relationships under the grace of God. Mm -hmm. And our whole life began to change and we made our mind up that we will forever be students of grace. I will never stop being a student. Mm -hmm. yeah. I am a student of Jesus Christ, a student of the grace of God now henceforth until he comes. And that's my testimony. Okay, so let me, let me just ask you this. Um, would it be fair to say that you were in a performance-based system I of Christianity? Was, I was a, I was in a perform, I was a performance-based Christian. Mm -hmm. And I, we were deeply involved in performance-based Christianity. Under the law of Moses, which was a conditional covenant that talked about what you do first, then God will do second. Mm. That entire covenant is based on what you do first. To be blessed under the Mosaic law said you have to do these things in order to get this thing. But to be blessed under the covenant of grace, we're blessed because of Jesus and what he has already yeah. done. Beautiful. And not because of what we do. Okay, I gotta, I, let, me, let me just tell you something. We're talking about Jesus tonight, okay? Yes, this is, this is uh, you know, gonna be an amazing program. So I just wanna let you know, Creflo and Taffy are here all night and I, I, I have a, I love it when there's senior pastors here that have to answer questions, okay? I love this. So, so let me ask you a question. 
if you, if you go back X number of years when you became a student of grace, okay, you've described that you were a performance-based Christian. In other words, almost old covenant. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Kind of is, I think, the way Joseph Prince describes it sometimes. But, but if, you, if you end, where, why does grace feel new? What happened in, a, in our grandparents' generation or our great-grandparents' generation? What happened to Jesus gets all the glory and we get none of it? What happened to that teaching? What failed somewhere, sometime? And we all, you know, we're roughly the same age. I mean, I, obviously I'm a little younger than they are, but no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I'm probably older, but, but, but basically what happened that we got raised in a generation where grace, that you had to be a student of it when you were already a mature minister of the gospel. What happened? You know, I, I believe that every issue in life can be resolved through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I think back then, our folks our family members may not have known a lot of the mechanics that we know today. But what happens is, is when you begin to become more acquainted with the mechanics of faith, the mechanics of prosperity, the mechanics of healing, you forget about the personal intimate relationship wow. with Jesus Christ. And I believe that the blood of Jesus was shed so we can have a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. So my, my great-grandmother and Taffy's grandparents, they didn't know the Greek word for this or the Hebrew phrase for this, but what they knew was, trust in God, honey, it'll be all right. Yeah. The issue was they had faith in God. Somehow or another, we started having faith in what we can do. Mm. But we should have faith in God and not faith in our performance and faith in, in our self-effort and faith in, you know, you know, how many confessions can we make? Now, the mechanics are good. But if I take the mechanics that I got out of a personal relationship with my wife. And I, I say to you, Matt, here's what I do with my wife and give to you. And you go do it with Laurie. She's going to look at you like, what are you talking about? Where'd you get this from? <laughs> it wasn't born out of your personal relationship. Right. And so likewise, we start, we become so principle minded and so mechanic driven. We forget to get to know the guy that, that, that this is all about. I don't want to go to heaven and walk right past Jesus because I don't know him. Wow. Wow. You know? And so... <laughs> we know how to have church, but some of the stuff we do in church, somebody's going to have to explain it to Jesus because he's going to try to... He's got to figure out, where'd y'all get that from? What is wow. this? Wow, 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 wow. And so I think what, what, what's happened is we're... We're trying to be like God without God. Oh, hello. I don't know if I can even say this on the air. Yeah, you can. Go ahead. But 
Man, we got to be careful about the phrase having faith in your faith. Mm. What is that? Hmm. I have faith in God. I don't want to have faith in what I can do. I want to have faith in what Jesus has already done. Yeah. And so the greatest, most powerful position for a Christian today is a place of rest. Thank you, Lord. When I can rest in what has already been done versus me stressing and trying to get him to do. There are two prayers he'll never answer. Number one, he will never answer prayer where you're asking him to do what he's already done. Come on now. Number two, he will never he will never answer prayer where you're trying to get him to do what he told you to do. Mm. But isn't that that's all that's what we did. And I am so hungry for people to understand Jesus. Come on now. And to understand this truth. He is enough. Beautiful. He's enough. Beautiful. Beautiful. I was, um, I was diagnosed with uh, an aggressive form of cancer uh, six, what, years ago. six years ago. And, um, you know, one of the things that helped me out is I knew that I'm, I was already healed. Mm. I'm not trying to get healed. I'm already healed. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get victory. I got victory and I go from victory to victory. Yeah. I'm the healed protected my health from the the cancer that's trying to kill me. Yeah. I had more faith in what Jesus had already done. Yeah. And so I began to apply my faith, begin to thank God and focus in and see Jesus and see that I'm already the healed and begin to labor to enter into the rest that I'm already healed. I'm not laboring to try to get healed. I'm laboring to rest Mm. that I'm already healed. Beautiful. And well, here I is today. (laughs) I am, I am, I am healed, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Grace makes Faith takes. Mm. Jesus, he makes. He's already made it. Faith is my positive response to what Jesus has already done. Would you pray a grace-based prayer for healing over our audience right now? It's going to be quick. Come on. Ready? Let's do it. Look right at them. There they are, right there. Father, I thank you that by the blood of Jesus... Healing has already been made available. Now, in Jesus' name, we receive it by faith. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you you, that we are healed. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I like it. Amen. So, back before you became a student of grace, would it have been... I'm making this up, but I'll just make something up. Would you, if there would have been someone sick, even unto death, you would have thought that if they died, you stopped short. Is that the way, is that how much pressure was on the church back then? Oh, it's my fault. I wasn't anointed enough. I didn't spend a lot of time with God. 
Had I spent more time with God, I should have fasted more. You know, Jesus helped us out with that. You remember the dude who threw himself in the fire and the, the father asked the disciples to pray for him and, and they prayed for him, but he didn't get delivered. And Jesus came and prayed for him and the disciple and he got delivered and the disciples asked Jesus, why could we not pray this prayer and deal with this demon? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. But then he went on and he said something that the church kind of misinterpreted. He said, this kind cometh not out except by prayer and fasting. And the church thought he was talking about this kind of demon mm. cometh not out except by prayer and fasting. He wasn't talking about the demon. He was talking about unbelief. Oh. He was saying pray and fast to deal with the unbelief. Ooh. He didn't say pray and fast to deal with the demon. Mm. And so we thought performance-based mentality said, you know, we got to pray and fast so we can perform better. But the prayer and the fasting was so you can believe better. Because under this covenant of grace, it's about believing Jesus. Um, I'm all right with God, not because of what I do or don't do. I'm all right with God because I believe what Jesus has already done. And then the Holy Spirit starts working on the inside of me, giving me the desire to prove him, to, to, to please him. So, yeah, performance based, I, all of the pressure that the church wasn't growing because I didn't perf perform right. Mm. I had an aunt who died because, I mean, I did everything. I poured oil on her head. I, I put on the, what's the, 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 the to lead. Yeah, I put that on my head. I covered my head up. Mm. I, I fasted. I, I did everything. And when she died, I said, hmm. Either Jesus did it or he didn't do it because I know I, I couldn't do it. I felt this is my fault. Wow. This is imagine walking around carrying the burden of your performance. Just can't believe that I can deserve something without me having to work for it, to earn it. And the Bible calls that dead works trying to do something to deserve it. It's dead works. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. Let me, let me tell you something. I've done quite a number of shows. This is not my first TV show. I've been doing this for a number of years. And I think you're tapping into something that I don't think has ever been discussed over TBN. Maybe somewhere else it has, but I don't think we've gotten into this. So let me tell you where I think we are. You're, you, you're about to set a whole bunch of people free. If you, if you realize really what we're dealing with, what about anybody watching tonight that's divorced, that thinks, if, I didn't, if I'd have just done a little better, if I'd have prayed a little better, if I'd have, you know the people that have lost children, the people that, you know, the accidents and, and you know, think of, think of the guilt that the church is living in. And the shame. And the shame and the, the horrible thing that somehow it's up to us. Why don't you help our audience understand what happened to you when you became a student of grace? Because you were kind of in a group of Christianity that was really, let's call it what it was, performance-based. Mm -hmm. Is that true? 
That's I'm not putting any words no, in no, your no, mouth. No, 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 you're not putting any okay. words in my mouth. Right. It, was, it, was, it was the truth. It was the, it was the guilt, the condemnation, the shame that was supposed to show up when you're trying to live your life by a performance-based covenant. The covenant of the law, the law that came uh, by Moses was a performance-based agreement. It was conditional based on your performance. If you were good, then God was good. But under grace, God's not good because we're good. Under grace, God's good because he's good. Mm -hmm. And so what happens to a guy who, all right, for example, I get cancer and I'm, I'm a faith guy. <laughs> and you walk around in condemnation because you, you got sickness and how do you explain this to the people? How can you get cancer and you're supposed to be a faith guy? Good Lord. Or the number of people we talked to that were divorced and they thought it was all over with and they quit church and they didn't want to have anything to come to church, have anything to do with church anymore. Or, or, the, or the, the person that has a kid and the kid's in drugs or he has to do this. And we're so busy trying to perform to deserve, deserve something from God and trying to perform to be all right with the people that are at the church. And so we perfected phoniness to such a point oh, that God. we walked around with a false identity. Lord Jesus. And, and you didn't know what you were dealing with when you went to church and everybody's just afraid. And, and we put on this little, you know, this little, this little mask. You know, this is the way we go to church. And, you know, hey, brother, how you doing? Oh, bless the Lord. I didn't ask you that. I, want, I really want to know how you're doing. But you're so full of shame and so full of guilt and so full of condemnation that you feel like you have to hide behind the cover. Mm. And you don't really know the people in church because they have a false identity. We don't even know the real you. We don't know the wounds that you've had in your life. We don't know how you were molested and how you were dogged out and maybe you were raped, mm. but you were forced to carry this mask around and, and put this face on and, and we could never discover the real you. And, and until you found out that Jesus loved you and has already provided for Thank you, you Lord. and has already made a way for you and has already, you know, dealt with that condemnation and that shame and that guilt. See, right now today, manhood has been replaced with shame. And you walk around and you meet most of the men in church and they're full of shame. Mm -hmm. why, do, why don't men come to church? Because they're full of shame. Uh, the guilt of having a divorce, the guilt of even a person falling into sin and having to deal with a bunch of self-righteous Christians because wow. law-based, performance-based Christianity produces self-righteousness. Come on now. And what happens with self-righteousness is we start comparing ourselves amongst ourselves and we sit there and we say, you know, well, I've never, I've never smoked a cigarette and I've never used drugs and I've never even had a cup of coffee and I don't even look at my naked body when I get out of the shower <laughs> and I am just... And we brag about just, just how awesome we are, but now we don't recognize that we have something that's, that's worse than all those things. We're now self-righteous. Right. Wow. We're now self-righteous. And so Jesus just kept lifting the bar. And, you know, have you ever committed murder? No, I've never killed anybody. Have you ever hated your brother? Well, yeah, he says you're a murderer. Mm. Oh, well, have you ever, you know, gotten in adultery? No, I've never. Well, have you ever looked at a woman? In, in, well, you're an adulterer. What he was saying was, you know, uh, to know to do good and do it not, it's sin. 
you know, whatever's done out of faith is sin. We keep bumping into Christians who think they can do this by themselves. And I'm telling you, everybody in this studio tonight needs a savior. Come on now. I need a savior. You need a savior. You need a savior. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was, you know, the shame that I carried every time a bad report would come on the news. And my, my, my news, our news was worldwide. It yeah. wasn't just in community. It was worldwide. And, and the pain of, of, of even being judged by people I thought loved me and people I thought were with me and, and the, you know, and I thought, man, this is, this is crazy, but I can't live in this bondage anymore. I've so got to be free. Let me, let me just say, I want to know how all that shame got off of you. Yeah. But Taffy, for a minute, he was a mess at some point. I mean, this guy was, you, you're pastoring tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands and millions by television, and you're living a performance-based Christianity where if something bad happens, it was your fault. Yeah. Hmm. Holy smokes. I mean, it was just based on us thinking that was what it took to please God. I mean, you put this responsibility of measuring up to people's expectations and, and how you're supposed to be as a Christian, as a leader, and in your home. It's just what people do every day to try to please God. It seems it's impossible to, you know, what mood is God in today and what do I have to do and how long do I have to do it? And so it's this cycle that, that never ends that you feel like you're falling short. Do you remember any conversation between you two where, going, where you were saying something like, this ain't working out. This is, this is not right. Well, I think just when our children were smaller and Gruffalo would be gone a lot, you know, just thinking that he had to do so much to be on the road to try to save the world in order to please God. So it's those kinds of things that you just feel like you've got to, there's never enough to reach the world. And never enough. We had five services a day, and so this was for three years. And uh, on top of that, he um, traveled during the week. So it was... Um, so you're out there killing yourself. <laughs> well, it, it, was, it was that whole uh, deal of it's never enough. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what condemnation is all about. Condemnation deals with it not being enough. Yeah. It's never enough. It's never enough. Yeah. It was like, I think he thought his body was a, was a machine. Yeah. I tease, you know, you're a preaching, preaching machine. machine. Yeah. And he, he, he just kind of be in autopilot. Mm -hmm. I was the tiredest man on the planet because I wanted to please God. And I thought that pleasing God was living that performance-based mm -hmm. Christianity. And bless God, I'm going to please him. I'm going to please him, you know, and, and put everything on the line. And I found out that's, that, that didn't have to happen like that. But you, could, you only do what you know to do. Right. You, do what, you do what you You've think is taught. right. You do what people are teaching. You, mm -hmm. You're doing what, what you're hearing. You're, 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 you're trusting. You see other people do. You see other people doing it. People who are successful at it, you, you do that. And then when you get to the point where you recognize, well, this isn't working. This is not working. And you look at the scripture and people say the Bible contradicts itself. No, it doesn't contradict itself. 
it has to be rightly divided. Right. Mm. And you have to di rightly divide it between the law by Moses and the grace by Jesus Christ. Yeah. What was true under the law by Moses may not be true under the grace by Jesus Christ. Right. But in those days, we would just take everything and just put it into one basket. And uh, nobody, I, I mean, I, it just wasn't rightly divided. We learned the Greek and Hebrew, but we didn't learn that in, in, in this dispensation, this was true. But that dispensation's ended. Now, what's going on in this dispensation? And we lived our life, I would say, by mixtures. We would mix a little law with a little grace. Wow. And you know what happens when you mix a little law with a little grace? Nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Wow. Nothing happens. Mm -hmm. You can't take new wine and put it in the old wine skin mm -hmm. because you lose the benefit and the use of both of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me ask you just real straightforward. We got about, we're, we, you realize we've been going a half an Shoot. hour. Right? And, going and it, fast. Feels, it feels like we've kind of set up that now what needs to happen is there's a lot of people that right now grew up in the same kind of environment that Lori and I did, that you did, that, by the way, when you did what I, my terms, you pivoted to grace. So I don't know exactly what you were teaching before that, but let me just tell you that since you have pivoted to grace, your ratings are almost double of what they used to be. Mm -hmm. So you're connecting to the audience of TBN. That, A whole lot by the of way, worn out, tired people. Yeah, which by the way airs Sundays you know? at 10.30 uh, Eastern uh, is your talk show and then uh, 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, look, they're all over the place. Check, look, all the information's <laughs> on the screen. I can't, I can't see that, that <laughs> print's too small. So w let, me just, let me just say this, but there is a ton of folk that would love to hear how they can drop the shame and the performance mm. and how they can be totally free because I think you're you've set it up in a way tonight that has never really been set up the way it is. And I appreciate where this is going so far because it feels like a one-of-one one conversation. Mm -hmm. If you think something bad happened in your life and that mm -hmm. you didn't pray enough, it was somehow, something you know, wrong. you did something wrong, so this bad stuff happened, and now you're living with that shame and guilt and you put on a performance and a mask and all that, this guy right here is going to help you. So Creflo, Taffy, take and kind of teach to us now how it worked for you. You went from a mixture-based faith with nothing happening in essence to a grace message that changed you. Mm -hmm. How did you get rid of shame? Well, the Bible says, you know, he that believeth in him shall not be put to shame. And the, the biggest eye-opener for me, I had to ask my question, did I believe in Jesus? Did I, do I believe that he died for my sins, past, present, and future? Mm. Now, people have problems with that. <laughs> I believe Jesus died for my sins, past, amen. I believe he died for my sin, present, amen. But boy, they have a hard time believing that he died for their future sins when, in fact, when Jesus is out on the cross, all of our sins were in the future already. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I had to believe what, what, he, what, he, what he said. Yeah. And what did he say? He says, I've forgiven you. Mm -hmm. He says, the works I finished, 
I've made you righteous. You are not righteous based on what you do, but you're righteous based on what what I do. So practically speaking, I guess the first thing we did, Taffet, was we recognized that this isn't working. And, you know, I thought God was mad at me. God says, I'm not even in a bad mood. Why, why do you go around <laughs> thinking I'm, I'm mad at you all the time? Because people tell me God's mad at you. Yeah. Uh, people used to say, well, I tell you what, you're going to be in hell by, by noon, boy. You better get your, God's going to get you. God's going to get you. If God wanted to get you, you'd have been God. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so practically speaking, I had to come, I had to come face to face with, with my frustration mm. that this is too much going in to pray two hours. And I'm like, I go in and then I pray, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm praying hard. And then I look at my, I'm thinking I've prayed, been there for 45 minutes. I look at my clock, only two minutes. <laughs> thinking, God, I'm not looking forward to this. And he's like, I'm not looking forward to it either. <laughs> oh, Why? Because he wants this time to be a time of communion, not just what you do within a two-hour period in the morning, but will you have communion with him all day long yeah. and involve yeah. him into your life all day long? Um, Help, help me to practically put in the thing. I, I think I got, I got tired, didn't I? I just got tired. I think so. And I, I think the fact that we realized that it wasn't what we were doing that would yeah. enable God to be pleased with us, per se, but having more faith in what Jesus did. Hmm. And through him, we understood that we could be pleasing to God. It wasn't every, you know, being up all night and running around trying to take care of, you know, 10, 20,000 people at one time and just burning ourselves out. But it's really teaching and really ourselves and reminding ourselves of what Jesus already did, what his blood has already appropriated for us. So um, I think sometimes we can just, you know, wake up thinking about all these things in order to please God, but it's, it's really having faith. And that's what the scripture says, yeah. uh, faith in what the blood is, has done for us. And so we have faith that, you know, he answers our prayers based on Jesus making us righteous, that we're right with God, not because we do all the right things, but because we receive Jesus as our righteousness. Come on now. I have my prayers answered. I have access to God. I can have forgiveness. I can be under an open heaven. So, you know, we just really got over in what Jesus accomplished. And started beholding him. And I think if you put that together, what happened was... We started unveiling Jesus. Yeah. Mm. It, it's this and what great, he made available. And what he made available. Yeah. It's kind of like an onion. Mm -hmm. we, can, we started peeling the layers back. Mm -hmm. And there are more layers. And we started peeling it back, and there are more layers. And the more layers we would peel back, the more we could behold him. And the more we could behold him, then the Holy Spirit started changing us. Mm. And as we behold him, the Holy Spirit's changing me. And we behold him and the Holy Spirit's changing me. And I'm thinking, what's going on? I'm not freaking out because the budget wasn't met mm. in, uh, in, in, in the New York church. I'm not tripping out because, you know, you know th this didn't happen in, in this other church. And, oh, praise God, it's fine. I'm walking with peace. I'm not sweating the small stuff. What's going on? found out that what was going on was the more we could behold him, mm -hmm. the more we could see him, 
Yeah. I've never heard anyone connect that story about this only comes out by fasting and prayer relating to faith and unbelief. Mm -hmm. That's a game changer because what you need to pray and fast is that you can believe that it's already done. It's already done. That, that you, I mean, literally, that, it, let me tell you something. You need to, you need to kind of, uh, you need to realize that, that, you know, I've sat here and interviewed a bunch of folk, and that's, that's in the top five of anything <laughs> I've ever even heard. I didn't know that that was what that scripture was even referencing. That changes things unbelievably. You know, I had a, an experience probably 15, 20 years ago, and um, we were living up in Hollywood. We were trying to do movies, and we were doing everything we could. I was raised in the Word of Faith, you know, and I was just thinking, God, if this isn't faith, then I don't know where I'm missing it. And I was kind of just lost, and we were given everything we had to try to do what I felt we were called to do. We were just struggling hard. Financially. Financially, struggling. selling cars, selling our kids, selling... <laughs> no, I wasn't selling my cars. Sorry. But just struggling. And it was, it was awful. And I, I walked outside, and I was taking my dogs out, and I sat down outside, and I said with my mouth, out from my... With, I, I, I believed it was good intentions, but I said, God, and I was desperate. I said, God, if you could just keep us from scrambling so hard. Mm-hmm. I said, look at all we could be do, doing for you. Mm-hmm. And when I said that, it was like God slugged me in the gut with a two, the most loving two by four. And I said, man, that is the most arrogant thing I have ever heard anybody say. And I said it out of my mouth. Look at all I could be doing for you if you just stop making a struggle so hard. Performance. And God said, baby, don't you ever think that it's anything that you do for me. It's what I have done for you. So. So I thought I was living for God Mm. until I've recently recognized that it's God that's living for me. Oh, come on now. That's beautiful. He's living for me. Beautiful. That's so good. He's living for me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yes. Here's a hundred dollar bill. It sure is. I just noticed that. (laughs) It's already, it's already done, right? We don't need to make this. Hmm. We don't need to manufacture it. Uh, could you use a hundred dollar bill? <laughs> I could. You could? <laughs> okay, well, it's here. It's already manufactured. Already yeah. It's already done. Now, if you'll pause for a moment, this represents where the church is today. Mm. It's already done, yeah. and we're still hesitating. Yeah. Mm. We're, we're, we're thinking like he's going to just kind of dropping in our lap. He says, it's finished. Mm-hmm. You say, oh, but God, I need it. He said, no, but it's done. Wow. You say, God, I want it. Yeah, yeah but it's done. Mm-hmm. So now grace has already made it. Jesus has provided it. It's finished. Mm-hmm. Now our part mm-hmm. 
is to take it. Mm. Take that. Thank you. Okay. So, so and this then is, it goes to the wife yeah, immediately. More yeah. than a conqueror, <laughs> right here. But but here's here's a, here's a story around that. Healing's already done. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. Deliverance is already done. Come on now. Take it. Yeah. Your prosperity is already done. Take it. We have got to change from a demand mentality to a supply mentality. And when we see Jesus as our supply house, we take and we Mm. receive and we appropriate. Because here's the truth. If grace hadn't made it, faith can't take it. Hello. Faith doesn't make, faith takes. Come on now. And we keep trying to get faith to make only what grace makes. We were saved by grace, but we got it how? Through faith. Mm. We were healed by grace, but we got it how? Through faith. Beautiful. What we're trying to do is use our faith to make something. When our faith takes, Jesus has provided everything we'll ever need. Have faith in God and appropriate what's already been done. That's what we do. The move, God, mm. God, move on our behalf, and so, He goes, man, I moved, and it only took me one time. Yeah. Yeah. I moved real big he's two moved. thousand years ago. Yeah. I did it. He's moved. Yeah. Now He's waiting on you to move. Yeah. Mm. And that's what we've done. We've tried. We tried to use our faith to make God do something He's already done. Mm-hmm. To make something become available that's already available. Yeah. We have everything that we will ever need that pertains to life and godliness. Now, what do we do? We, we labor to enter into the rest. When I talk about rest, I'm not talking about, um, you know, uh, inactivity. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about resting in your work. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about resting without stressing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about knowing with confidence that it's already done to such a point that when you enter into that rest, there is nothing else left to do but to worship and praise God for what's, for what is already done. So, if I take some very unique things that I've learned tonight, you, I ask you to pray for healing. Your response was, it's going to be a very quick prayer. But if I ask you to pray to believe what you just said, that might take a minute. That's what Jesus was talking about to the disciples. It may take fasting and prayer to believe the simplicity of the work of the cross. Because guess what? You don't get anything out of the cross. You don't even get salvation until you what? Believe. You know? So if you don't believe the redemptive work of the cross, if you don't believe it, God help you. You live a performance-based life that everything's your fault and you have shame. Here's how you fall from grace. Falling from grace is not falling in sin. Falling from grace is falling back to your performance-based, self-effort-based life. Uh, Galatians 5 uh, says that um, Christ has no effect because you think now that you are made or justified by the law. Mm -hmm. When you do that, you have fallen from grace. Imagine Christ doesn't have effect when you need finances. Christ doesn't have effect when you're sick. Christ doesn't have effect. And most people would say, well, the reason why Christ doesn't have effect is because of sin. 
Mm. It's sin. That's why Christ didn't have effect. No, 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 no. Everybody before Jesus left the earth, they were sinners. And he went into some of those villages and healed everybody that was in the village and they were not even born again. Right. What's the deal? It's when you think that your performance, that your self-effort is enough. And then you try to have faith in your self-effort and your performance. Jesus. Jesus. It voids faith. You don't need faith to try to live by your performance. You don't need faith, but I do need faith to live by. I've been made righteous because of what Jesus has done, even though I don't do right. Well, people get all up. Well, what are you trying to do, justify sin? I'm not justifying sin. I'm saying I've been made righteous, and if I believe that I'm the righteousness of God, the day I receive that identity, it will produce the behavior of righteousness. Beautiful. We've been allowing our bad behavior to determine our identity. We've been trained. This, your behavior is who you are. You act bad, so you're bad. It's the other way around. My identity in Jesus determines my behavior. Okay. And if I'll just chill out on condemning people when they come to church for their bad behavior and get them to believe that they are the righteousness of God, the day they believe they're righteous, then they'll begin to produce righteous behavior. Beautiful. And that is what you might have to work on to believe. The simplicity of that is to go, wait a second, that, that just doesn't make it. it it's, it's so counterintuitive, it's amazing. Belief will produce action. But action without faith will kill you. Say that again. Okay, I, I, you remember the, the saying, let's say it like this, faith without works is dead. Okay. But works without faith will kill you. So you go out and drive a car, you know you can't see without your glasses, so you're going to take your glasses off and go out and drive the car, you're going to have a wreck and kill everybody in the car because <laughs> you don't really believe that. People don't do what they don't believe. But what we have to understand is real authentic belief. What is it that authenticates belief? Rest. How do I know that I really believe something? I've entered into the rest. You know what happens while you're at rest, believe in God? Your belief will give birth to what you're supposed to do. Come on now. While I'm believing, yeah, I want to focus on Jesus. I'm going to confess the word. Yeah, I'm going to to pray. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to focus on laboring to enter into that rest. I'm not talking about sitting back, chilling out. I'm not talking about inactivity. I'm talking about resting in my work. Mm. Here's what Jesus said in John 6, 29, the the New Living Translation. He says, the only work I want you to do is to believe in the one that I sent. Everybody's looking for work. He says, here's the only work I want you to do. Believe in the one that I have sent. Mm. Now, if we'll do that, the Holy Spirit's working in us. Now the Holy Spirit now begins to lead and guide and directs us and show us and all. We, we forget about the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's accepted the responsibility for changing us into the image of Jesus. It's like the older style of church that we came from believed that our prayer and our behavior somehow completed the work of the cross. And that 
we are simply surrendering to the fact that there's nothing good or bad I can do to change anything about me. It's really belief in what was done at the cross. I was getting ready to fly into Baghdad when my kids were younger, and my dad had called me a few days earlier and said, hey, let's go to Baghdad. And I said, heck yeah, let's go to Baghdad. And, you know, the war was going on and everything. We're going to bring in some help and assistance. And, and then at 5 o'clock in the morning, I was getting ready to board an airplane for Baghdad to, you know, literally fly into it. And I don't know why the grace message hit me so hard, but it was like a ton of bricks. And all of a sudden, I was scared. And I've never felt that before in my life. And I thought, here's the thought that hit my head. Have I been good enough for the Lord to protect me while I'm in an active war zone? I've been in many war zones over my life. Have I been good enough? So I don't know why I turned into, you know, that kind of theology right then and there. But I got scared. And then I thought, oh, my God, I can't leave a young wife with two young boys and, and, you know, this is stupid. I didn't even pray about this. You know, what am I doing here? You know, and all of that hit me with a ton of bricks. And when I, when I just said, God, I don't know, help, Jesus, help me. You know, he said so clearly to me, it'll never be what you have or have not done. It's always going to be what I did. And the fear left. I enjoyed my trip. It was one of the most vivid memories of, it was 2004, active. You know, I saw tanks and this and that and heard explosions and loved every bit of the trip. And, and it was an effective, important trip for us. We brought satellite dishes so that people could get Christian TV. A lot of stuff. But fear left me when I realized It'll never be about my performance. It's about Jesus' performance on the cross. Mm -hmm. And fear left me. Mm -hmm. Let's minister to the folks now, Pastor. Just take the last several minutes here and and, uh, do whatever you think gets people across the finish line to this understanding so that they can say, I got it. I got this. I I think that we're going to have to come to the place of realizing this truth and that is I'm not enough. I'm never going to be enough. But Jesus is. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I think the day that we recognize that because we're not enough, that we need a savior, that we need Jesus, and it's through him, it's through him, he is our wisdom, Mm. he is our righteousness, he is our holiness and our sanctification. Mm. Let's stop trying to be like God without him. Come on now. Let's humbly go before God and establish this truth. I need you. I trust you. I'm tired of trying to live my life based on what I know and based on my efforts. I now want to live my life through you, 
and you have something, Jesus has something that Mohammed doesn't have, that Buddha doesn't have, that Harry selling roses on the exit doesn't have. Mm. Jesus is our Savior. Why? Thank you, Lord. Because he stepped in to do everything that we could not do and kept all 613 of those commandments. And he said, you couldn't do it, but I did. So here I am. I now am your offering. Take me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn to rest. Tonight, we offer you Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Accept him. Roll your worries away. Roll your cares away. And allow him to finally be enough. Mm. Not Jesus plus five hours of prayer. Prayer is good. Not Jesus plus 10 days of fasting. Fasting is good. But Jesus by himself. Thank you, Lord. He is enough. He is enough. If you've never accepted him into your life, or if you're stuck into legalism, mm. if you're stuck into performance-based Christianity, if you haven't really seen Jesus yet, and hopefully through the peeling back of some of the layers that we've peeled back tonight, that you can say, I need a savior. Take him. Thank you, Lord. He's always been there. And he's ready to show you his unmerited, undeserved favor that you don't have to work for. But today you can stop sweating. Thank you, Father. You can now move into sweatless victories. Come you on. don't have to sweat anymore to get healed, to get delivered, or to be set free. And I just pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. It takes a revelation. Paul said he got this by revelation. And I pray that you get a revelation of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And when you get a revelation of Jesus and you see that he is your supply house. Thank you, Lord. He will supply all of your needs, not just finances, but all of your needs, including finances, your healing, your deliverance, the intimacy, the instructions you need for a great marriage. He'll deliver you from the domination that came from the law and you don't have to dominate one another in your marriages, but you can walk in the peace and the love and the joy that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. Beautiful. You know, this is kind of the perfect praise program because all we've done from, you know, coming up from black to going down to black at the end of this thing, and we, we've been sitting here the whole time, we've talked about and focused the light on one thing and one thing only, and his name is Jesus. And I think back so many years ago when, when my parents founded TBN. Back in the days, you remember, uh, remember typewriters and <laughs> paper and stationery and all that? So on the bottom of our stationery back in the day, 
was the scripture that said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And, and that has been the focus of TBN for all these years. And let me just tell you something. I want to thank you guys for this pivot towards Jesus because you were ahead of the game a little bit. Your senior pastors and amazing church in Atlanta and all, a lot of people already know that. But, but basically, we knew something was wrong. We couldn't put our finger on it for years. And the grace message that you have adopted and are teaching daily here on TBN and, and whenever you teach is the answer to what we couldn't figure out was wrong. You've been important to Lori and me, and I want to thank both of you, to, to Creflo and Kathy. And I just want to say thank you for this amazing broadcast tonight. Thank you, Creflo. Thank you, Taffy, for being here. What an amazing time to focus the light on Jesus. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.